I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself, and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it, so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Welcome, welcome. I'm here with Daphne Jones, who is a recovering life insurance agent. So kind of interesting story there, I'm sure. Um, Her mission is to help 1 million women live their best financial life or lives. Um, And she talks a lot about the importance of life insurance uh, for people having it and and the importance of having life insurance for entrepreneurs specifically. And um, another big focus that we are probably going to focus on today is really how the importance of helping Gen X women especially Gen X women entrepreneurs and you as a financial professional, like have this incredible opportunity to help Gen X women um, who really are dying for your help. So um, she also has, ha- has a podcast and had three seasons there. And um, we'll tell you how to check her out on YouTube at the end, but, and she's got some opinions on Bitcoin. So who knows where we're going to go with this, but um, Daphne, tell us a little about just your philosophy, what's important to you. And um especially when it comes to Gen X women entrepreneurs and why you think that's so important and a good potential market for these advisors and, and financial professionals. Well, well, first of all, thanks for having me here. Before I just start babbling, but the, um, the importance of, of, of Gen X women. Well, one, you know, we're not the biggest generation, the millennials dwarf us, you know, we're caught between two massive blocks, the, the boomers and the millennials, and we're a bit sque- we're a bit squeezed, but uh, we could we could use the information because I remember we weren't I wasn't, and as I found when I was helping my clients, we weren't focused on our money early enough, where this actually accumulating money and and increasing our ability to earn by increasing skills and things of that nature. We were taught to chase our passions or just go to college. Things would work out. And there should have been more thought and focus on on our incomes. I know there's like, I know there are a lot of studies on this. And I I apparently am a Gen Xer and I forgot because that's how much it means to me. As I said to you before we started recording, okay, what years are those? And you're like six, or I said, I said, what is that? And you're like 65 to 80. And I'm like, oh, okay, no, I'm not 65. You're like, no, 1965. I was like, oh, right. Okay. That's me. That's me. So, um, and I know like there's a bunch of studies on that and like how the, you know, the generations really matter and how that affects your money. I don't know too much about it, but um, so from your perspective, you're saying, you know, we Gen Xers, like we didn't start saving enough to, or, or, or soon enough. Why, why is that? Like what was going on during that time where we should have been saving that um, it wasn't happening? Do you know anything about that? Well, okay. It's not so much saving because I'm one that believes you need to put your money to work more so than saving. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then when I say focus, I mean, just get some basic information about your money. Okay. The majority of Americans, male or female, they earn their money through work. They trade time for dollars, whether they're 1099 or W-2, right? 
Okay, so once you meet the basic fixed cost, you're paying your you, you live for your living space, your food and so forth and things of that nature. Okay. Are you keeping your debt down, that consumer debt down? And then how are you getting your dollars to work for you? Are but how how is that different than like the baby boomers or the millennials? Like what happened during that time that like m- makes us less focused on that? Or or is that is that true or is that just what you've experienced? Well, it's uh for one thing, the the boomers had a much better economy to deal with. The Gen Xers, we got caught with several major recessions mm-hmm. uh, in our developmental, in our earning years. They kind of oh. set back. Then, uh, depending on which part of the cohort you're in, your college costs exploded and how it was paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, for those, for, the, for us early Gen Xers, we could actually pay our way through college. Mm-hmm. Okay, so by the time, but by the time you get to the last half of the cohort, uh, college had gone up over 150%. And so they, you've, you've got this heavy debt, got this heavy college. So most, most people in Gen X were coming out of college with big debt. Is that what you're right. saying? Got right. it. Right. So then that's what also brought them back. So tell me from the perspective of like, because I think a lot of whether advisor or doing insurance, most most are not actually really intentional with who they want to attract. And and I think that if anything, they might say, you know, especially ones who do AUM, everyone wants the million dollar client, right? Everyone wants someone who has a right. million dollars or or maybe the the high earners, what do they call them? The Henry's or whatever. Right. Um, so they want the high earners or they want, if, especially if they're selling, let's say some sort of permanent life insurance, or they want the million dollars who assets because they can do a 1% fee on that. Um, what do you see as like a possible advantage of, of the Gen Xers, I mean, I think a lot of are coming into the million dollar mark, you know, I would imagine um, mm-hmm. at this age now, especially the earlier on ones. Right. Um, but, but what, what would you see as the advantage of being targeted in that area? And then how would you say like an advisor or someone of the like could focus on that to get more clients who are more ideal to help grow their practice? Well, I think one thing you could offer is just education. There just hasn't been a lot of discussion about, about how to grow money. I mean, okay, particularly you get the 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 um, the glamorous stuff, like you said, the high income earners, right? Mm-hmm. But we as Gen X women, we still earn a pretty good living. I mean, yeah, you have the wage gap and all that other stuff, but college educated and so forth. When you start adding that on, we're we're pretty good wage earners. Talk to us about what to do with the money mm. and. Uh, safety is important. Again, you got the kids, college, we're squeezed in, we got elder parents and things of that nature. We just need information. And then, okay, this is a path that you can choose to get this money working for you. It's not too late. So that's a big thing with Gen, mm-hmm. with Gen Xers. It's not too late. You, you're here, you can get started now. Got to put all the, that other stuff that you did or didn't do behind you. Right here, mm-hmm. right now, we can get started. Okay. Cool. And I would, I would just add to that, that I think um, what's happening a lot too, with a lot of the clients that I've worked with where they've gotten, let's say they focus on the baby boomers and, and then you build this amazing practice and you got 50 million, hundred million, 200 million, whatever it is under management. And then what's happening is like you, you built that over years and years and years, decades possibly Mm -hmm. to get to that mark. And the, the way you did it was through a lot of, 
sweat, blood, and tears and hard work, not necessarily a super intentional, you know, attraction Mm -hmm. model that I like to teach. And then you made it and you're like, I've arrived, I hit my hundred million or whatever it is. And then everything that's happening is that clients are dying and that money is not necessarily getting passed on to the, to, well, the money that's getting passed on to the heirs doesn't necessarily stay with you as the advisor. Um, and they're withdrawing money because now they're retiring and they need the money. And so now the, the hundred million that you maybe worked so hard to get is starting to deplete itself um, because of death and withdrawals. And then there's the sandwich generation of that. A lot of those, even the baby, I mean, the baby boomers are still like dealing with elder parents. Obviously the Gen Xers have to deal with that too. Um, I'm like, luckily not at that stage yet. Um, but I'm very scared about it. Um, a little bit, we, we give my father-in-law money, but, um, but basically like, I think what is interesting is like some of these advisors worked so hard to get to that hundred million. I'm using that as kind of like the milestone. Some are there, some are not, some are higher. Um, but then the new problem is that all this money is coming out every year um, because they have assets under management. And whereas if you can get some of these earners who, you know, from, from born in 1965 to 1980 at this time, right now, they're still in accumulation and heavy accumulation. And that heavy accumulation will last quite some time because people are working longer and, Um, than they were before. And so if, even if you have the, 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 the boomers and you have these clients, if they're going to start taking off the top of your assets or, you know, which essentially is affecting your revenue, then you need to replenish that with people who are accumulating. Um, and, and this is why like a multi-generational, uh, business would be, or practice would be really beneficial. But I think that's something that people so work so hard to get that million dollars, but they forget that the second they start taking that money out, for distribution when they're retiring, it starts to deplete. (laughs) And so I think that's also a nice advantage. I just wanted to add there for that. Anything to add to that? I know you're more life insurance, but I figured um, the asset management thing is, is definitely a consideration as well. Well, I know what I often talk about on my channel and what I'm doing myself also is that uh, to, to have some other cash generating uh, lines, income streams of income, like, um, for instance, uh, dividend stocks, uh, particularly cash flowing real estate and interest in a, in a business, uh, whether it be small or large. And not, this is not necessarily you running a business, but this is having an interest in the business, like investing either in purchasing one that is functional and you basically setting someone else's running it or you're involved in a franchise because you're right, because great, you've saved X, you've seven, seven figures, mid seven figures, right? And then, as you say, you're starting to pull on the money now because you're, again, you're not, you're no longer trading time for dollars, you're retired, but mm-hmm. you still need something that's generating income of itself, not simply because you're taking away savings, but that is still generating income and real estate and business ownership does. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And I think that's for the potential, their clients to be more diversified and also for themselves, right? Like mm-hmm. if we have more than one income stream, I think the hardest thing too, for financial professionals is if you believe that you need to have a lot of money in the market, because this is, you're, you know, you're saying this is, this is obviously I'm telling my clients this, I believe in the market mm-hmm. markets are designed to go up and then I have all this money in the market. And then you don't have these other income sources and it's your business. 
as a one income source. And then potentially, you know, not that you're necessarily pooling income, but the growth of your investments. And then the market goes down and the market goes down, let's say 20%. And you have, you're relying on asset center management. And now you just got a 20% pay cut and all of your investments also went down 20%. So I think there's also like the, the, um, you get hit like double when the exactly. financial markets crash or, or correct. Um, whereas everybody else, they might have some money in the market, but their business isn't necessarily going down. Now with the recession, everything could get, you know, start to tank, but I think it's smart to have lots of other sources. Awesome. So, um, since we have a little extra time, like I'm kind of curious about your take on Bitcoin, which is really a, a swing in a different direction. Um, but you mentioned to me like before about Bitcoin and everyone should have Bitcoin. And, and again, just putting yourself into the perspective of financial advisors. Now, I know some of them will say like, I can't tell my clients that they should have Bitcoin, even if they believe they should. I think one thing that is coming up though, is education around it. And, you know, as much as I'm sure the industry would like to tell you that, you know, don't do that. That's way too risky and speculative. I'm curious about your take on it. Cause you told me before, like, you know, you think that we should have something decentralized and all that, but um, yeah, what's your take on Bitcoin? And especially when we're recording this, I mean, Bitcoin has dropped from, I remember it hit 69,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and now well, last time I checked, it was 27,000 ish. Right. Um, 22. And, and it went all, and all the way down to like 15, which was mm-hmm. like really excellent opportunity to buy. But what is your take on it? And, and what's the real risk factor like to it? And how much do you think if they were just going to do this on their own and forget like telling their clients, but that what they should, from your perspective, like put some in their portfolio. Well, I'm what they call in the, in the Bitcoin community, uh, a hodler, which means I buy Bitcoin and I hold it. Hold it um, on for dear life. As some people yes, say. Yes. I, I hold it. Um, I, oftentimes the words are interchanged, Bitcoin and crypto. Now, Bitcoin, by its very nature, is a crypto, but is a part of that because of the the technical nature on the blockchain and so forth, digital. But Bitcoin is different from every other digital coin because it's decentralized. No one controls the code of Bitcoin, which is how it's mined, and no one controls uh the price of Bitcoin, whether more are produced or less or things of that nature. That's why you still, you always have the the issue with, with the other coins, Shiba Inu, all of them. You can find the individual who wrote the code and he can change it. And that's how, that's how you get the pump and dumps and some of the things that you're going through now. So again, I buy and hold. I don't stake Bitcoin. And do you only buy and hold Bitcoin or do you have yes. other... Only Bitcoin. Only Bitcoin. Right. Okay. Now, and again, you'll have people who love Bitcoin who will argue, well, you should try this. Too. Nope. 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 I got and some good friends I- that have made a good living off of trading other cryptos. They've got shows, things of this nature. They, they've made a very good living, bought houses and everything. Mm. Yeah, I, I just, like Bitcoin. You just like to hold it. And so, yeah. and when did you start investing in Bitcoin? I got involved in Bitcoin uh, right before the uh, the pandemic. Oh, okay, okay. Right before, um, so and, you you got in. So right before the pandemic, it was probably what in the thirties, something like that. Or was uh, it, it, no, it had done a big drop. 
Okay. Then, that's when it had done. That's when everybody got scared because it went from like 60, it had dropped down to it was like five, six thousand dollars. Five or six grand. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I I I started when it was, I think it was 2017. It was very early, but um, it was like 2400 and I was started mm-hmm. buying Bitcoin and um and then I watched it go all the way to 20 grand in 2017, I think it was. And then drop all the way back to three something, three grand mm-hmm. something. And I was like, I swear I'm going to buy it when it gets down to 3,000. And then it got down and I was like, I don't know. I think I already have too much. You know, I'm too far in, man. So, uh, I mean, I did then. Then it went, I remember when it went up to, you know, 35,000 January, whatever year that was. And I was like, oh my God, I'm rich. Uh, and then the roller coaster of going up to 69,000 and back to now where it is. So, um, but I ha- I'm the same. Like I just I hold on to it. But um, uh, I I think it's interesting from a financial perspective because it's it seems so speculative, and it's still so early in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I mean, why do you have so much confidence that it's going to be around? Because I think the question is like for me, it's hard to believe. Like if since it's went you know went to sixty nine thousand, it's hard for me to believe it won't at least go back. Um, but there's no reason why it couldn't crash to zero. So like, um, why do you believe that it, it will go back up and, and be an asset that, you know, eventually people will hold on to, I don't know, maybe like they used to with gold or something or, or have it as part of their portfolio. Why do you think that's, it's going to last? Well, one is the breadth, the breadth and size of the network Mm -hmm. and the fact that, uh, the code has not changed since, uh, Satoshi released it. Mm-hmm. And the only way to change the code is to get mass agreement over several million individuals who who have nodes, uh, and the transparency of it. So that's why I think it's going to stay and, mm-hmm. and be here. Um, and next of all, with what's going on with the fiat currencies, with the various central banks, uh, it's just. I'd rather hold it. It's easier to hold Bitcoin than it is to to hoard gold. Mm-hmm. So, right. Uh, you know, that I don't have to worry about trying to protect it. So. Is it really, is it really for you like a bet against the dollar or is it more than that? I think it's a little more than that. I like the decentralization and the control of it. Mm-hmm. And it really worries me, particularly what I see going on with, uh, with, with fiat currencies mm-hmm. uh, as an American even though I, you know, I, I always throw, I throw shade on the, on fiat, on the fiat dollar, but it's still, it's like, uh, what's the word? Um, it's the lack of a better term. It's the skinniest fat chick, (laughs) you know, they're all bad, but (laughs) it's, it's the better one because we've got Mm -hmm. the, we've got the boots on the ground and we've, we've got the, the military might to, to protect it. And then we've got the population demographics where, where the country itself can sustain itself. So mm-hmm. if, if, when things go really bad and I think things are going to get worse inflation wise, those two things are going to keep the dollar, the reserve currency. So, so you're not necessarily holding on to Bitcoin because you don't believe that the dollar 
is going to, I don't think the dollar is going away, but the dollar is going to lose so much value. You're holding on to it because you think it's another asset class where you can have something decentralized, where you have more control. You believe that the code is going to stay as it is. You think people will still believe in it. And truly all it is, is if people still believe in it, it'll still exist. Right. Right. Because the, the dollar, the, the nature of what's going on in several different areas, the inflation is going to continue. So to say that, that if you elect whoever you elect next, it is, it's nothing about R or D as far as inflation is concerned. Mm -hmm. It's going to continue because of what's going on and what has happened in the past and what's going to continue to happen. Um, and is there a certain amount of, like you would say, not that you're recommending, but that you like mm -hmm. in, as far as in a portfolio where you're like, you you know, have at least this much 5% in Bitcoin or not necessarily? Not necessarily that high. I dollar cost average. I, mm -hmm. I buy so much. Uh, I think I buy weekly mm -hmm. um, and it's not buy what you're comfortable with. So that, yeah. That's the thing. Just buy what you're comfortable with. Start learning about it. Uh, you know, keeping a certain portion off the exchanges where you're buying it and things of that nature. Like, because mm -hmm. as I said, I don't stake it and I don't I don't trade it and do options because it's it's expanding. I think recently they they released a, a IRA backed with Bitcoin. So. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, interesting turn of events. So um, thanks for giving your opinion on that. So we got a couple different areas that we focused on here, but I think that was interesting because I always like to get people's opinion and you are the smart money chick. So smart money chick is probably pretty smart when it comes to money and um, is a total chick. So um, tell them where to find you. I know you're, um, you're about to expand your YouTube channel. So if you want to give your YouTube channel or give a shout out there, but, um, and whatever you want, tell them where to find you. My YouTube channel is smart money chick TV. Um, it's on YouTube, uh, Instagram. I'm the smart money chick. So you can always find me there. Um, awesome. So those and then the link to my link tree is there on Instagram. So and YouTube. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time on Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.